the most connected man in Washington, WSB's Jamie Dupree. He's on every day with Herman Kane, 1106 a.m. every day. Sponsored by Charter Communications on News 955 and AM 750 WSB. Why do you have any belief that you stand a chance to win this nomination, let alone the presidency? Most of the people that are in elective office in Washington, D.C. have held public office before. How's that working for you? Herman Cain, Solutions for a Better America. This is your host, Herman Cain. Thank you for joining us. Because, you know, we're going to tell you the truth, give you the facts, because we want you to be a part of helping to make this a better USA. Breaking news. Breaking news every day with Herman Kane and the most connected man in Washington, Jamie Dupree. Hello, Jamie. How are you? Hey, Herman. Greetings from Vegas. How are you doing today? Great. You're still there, huh? Yes, I am. We got done, uh, well, it wasn't that long ago, so I had a short little nap uh, overnight, but uh, everything worked out pretty well in terms of covering the uh, GOP debate. Uh, one of the more interesting things, you know, real quick before we get to the real heavy stuff, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff that, you, you know, most people would never see. So we get into the debate, and the audio feed that CNN has given the radio reporters right. suddenly goes down the tubes. And so there's about six of us, sort of the national radio guys, we're scrambling around with our own equipment, stringing together cables, running all over the place while the debate's going on to finally get the audio secured good and get grief. it straight. So yeah, exactly. So it sounds good. And then sat back and, and said, okay, we got that. Now we can keep on going. So one of those uh, crazy moments. Uh, you know, I guess looking at the debate, um, I, I think as everybody leaves Vegas, and some people are already gone at this hour, I don't think anything major changed last night. There certainly were some new little uh, wrinkles in the road to the Republican nomination. I mean, I, I guess let's just do a quick thumbnail of everybody. I, I think uh, okay. Trump, Trump leaves in the lead. Uh, you know, again, it, tr Trump sort of has stitched together a number of debates where he has some uh, some good moments, some OK moments, but no, he doesn't never really does anything wrong that kills him. I was surprised that he was as annoyed as he was by Jeb Bush last night. I mean, you could really see it in his face that that Trump was aggravated that Jeb Bush was uh, not just sort of shrinking away and leaving him alone. And I still think, Herman, that the best way if you're going to go after Trump is to keep needling him and to stand up at him and really go at him, uh, because I. I I think that, uh, especially on an issue where maybe, uh, like foreign policy, where Jeb Bush has, has bested him before, uh, that he might have a slight advantage. But overall, I, I don't think that, uh, that Trump was hurt by that exchange. And on the flip side, I'm not sure that it really helps Jeb Bush all that much. Uh, don't, uh, you, don't you think eventually they're going to figure out that all of this negative attack Trump, I know it's coming from the political professionals that he hires. And whenever you are trailing and they try to do a Hail Mary, it's all about attack, attack, attack. Because they're convinced that negative works and attacks work. But it's not working on him. Well, see, the only thing I would say is I think for the first time uh, last night I, I saw Trump uh, start to maybe go down the road toward making a, an unforced error or something like that. Because he got, uh, he seemed to be in a bad mood. I was told by a, a, a Trump advisor that he was sort of grouchy yesterday. Uh, and then and when he got there, I just sensed that he was just sort of in, in a grouchy mode when he got there in the first place. But again, uh, I, I don't think that uh, that Bush changed anything major. No. But as as one of those, I, I wouldn't back away from uh, from jabbing at Trump. I think that would be a mistake. I think that lets him off easy. I think you got to look at, like a prize fight. Uh, you know, you, you keep jabbing and keep jabbing and you keep jabbing and you hope sooner or later that you open up something. Uh, but again, uh, Trump leaves here still the GOP leader. I'm not sure Jeb Bush has, has uh, jump-started his campaign or anything like that. But 
but I also don't think he's going to quit anytime soon, as some people have been talking about. The other big uh, battle, obviously, was the Rubio-Cruz battle. And we've been talking about how they've been circling each other, and they really went after each other some last night on both immigration and national security and more. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that. Uh, Obviously, uh, uh, Ted Cruz has made the decision that he is not going to engage with Donald Trump, and that instead he's going to go after Rubio. And frankly, who else is going after Rubio is Rand Paul. Uh, It's almost like Rand Paul's decided if he's going to go down, he's going to take try to take uh, Rubio with him. Uh, because certainly Rand Paul was almost Ted Cruz's wingman last night at times in going after Rubio on various things. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, Ru- uh, Cruz seemed to have an, an edge in some of the exchanges with Rubio, Rubio on others. I, I still think that their their fight is seen by many as maybe could that winner be the person who is best positioned to maybe take on Trump and even win the GOP nomination. Uh, in terms of the feeling in the, in the debate hall and in the spin room as to who did the best of the others, I still think it was probably Chris Christie uh, who might be bubbling up a little. Uh, it, it didn't seem to me that John Kasich or Carly Fiorina or uh, or Rand Paul or anybody else really had sort of a magic moment last night or anything like that. And so we leave with, I think, Trump still in the lead, uh, Rubio and Cruz uh, in that top tier, and then sort of everybody else still trying to move up and maybe Christie the best position of those others at this point in time. At least that's the way I saw it. I think you're right on. What's happening to Carson other than coughing all the way through the debate? I thought uh, Carson's, uh, yeah, first that cough was... Uh, was Annoying to the yeah. world, yes. Yeah, it sure was, but, you know, this, this stuff happens. Yeah. My, kids had, my kids had a three-pack-a-day cough like that for a while, so I get it. Uh, the one thing, to me, the one moment that stood out was when Carson uh, complained to Wolf Blitzer really early that he wasn't getting a fair shake on time. And Blitzer sort of said, okay, uh, you know, you want more time? Uh, which side do you take in the Rubio-Cruz battle over surveillance? Because that's a pretty important question within the Republican Party when you get yeah. down to it, is yeah. how you deal with terrorism. And and Carson just said he, he really didn't have an opinion. And, you know, in terms of, he tries to argue that he's ready on national security. And, and I guess I would just sort of say, if you're ready on national security and terrorism, then you would be ready with a pretty definitive kind of opinion on that. And uh, there was a feeling in the press room when he uh, shied away from that and just didn't want to answer that it was really a uh, not a positive for him overall. I would agree. Unfortunately. Well, and I think Chris Christie also helped himself when he made the observation about uh, the debate slash discussion between Rubio and Cruz. Senators, yeah, exactly. Senators about, you know, here they're talking about, he said, angels dancing on a pinhead or something, saying that people aren't connecting with that. And I kind of felt that same thing when they were doing that. They were getting into, well, I got this provision and other ones yep. got this provision. and You I, offered it then and yeah, I did this and I offered exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. That wasn't yeah. resonating. No, I thought that was a good little thing. Uh, Christy said something to the effect of, for those of you at home, your eyes are sort of uh, fuzzing <laughs> over like mine are. And, you know, uh, Christy uh, still, I, I think he's an effective communicator. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of people, I think, in the conservative wing of the party who thought Christy was dead long ago. And, you know, I, I, I while I don't think he's, he, he has a very limited path to the GOP nomination because it basically only goes through New Hampshire, uh, I do think there's still an opening there possibly for him, and he's been bubbling up in the polls, and the uh, the endorsement of the of the New Hampshire Union Leader newspaper, I think, can help him. But again, there's still it's still a limited kind of thing because I don't expect he's going to do that well in Iowa. We have seen others not win in Iowa and then win in New Hampshire. Let's face it, those are two very different places with very different Republican Party electorates. Right. Well, I would agree with your analysis and assessment of uh, all the different candidates up there, and you're right. So you anticipate all of them will at least stay on through the first primary, February 1st. That's sort of my thought. I mean, look, I could be wrong on that. I I know a lot of people think, well, I, I guess my thought is of the 13, Herman, 
I, I personally would uh, think that at some point the Republican establishment will look around at George Pataki and say he does not need to be up there. He yesterday uh, failed to get on the ballot in Virginia. He failed to get on the ballot in Maine. He's failed to get on the ballot in several other states. And I don't see how you can really advertise yourself as a national candidate if you're not going to be on the ballot in all 50 states. You know, yeah. to, to me, that, that shows issues uh, big time. Uh, so, you know, him, I could see Pataki not being there. But the others, again, they're sort of the low-budget kind of uh, uh, efforts like a Santorum or a Huckabee or a Lindsey Graham, I mean, you could exclude them from the debates. I just don't see them quitting. Now, there's always the possibility, but when you look at where we are, what, it's December 16th. And so that means before you know it, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to turn themselves off in the next couple of weeks, you know, for the holiday break. And then suddenly they'll be back on Monday, January the 4th. Well, once you're Monday, January the 4th, you're four weeks from Iowa. And you got two debates in the month of January, one on the 14th in South Carolina and one on the 28th in Iowa. I can understand it. You can say, you know what? Suck it up. Let's do it for another month. You never know. Lightning might strike. So that's, that's why I think nobody's going to get out, but we'll have to see what happens. Correct me on something. Now, Fox, I don't remember whether it's Fox Business or Fox News Channel. Neil Cavuto said that they've added a debate in yeah, January. Yeah, that's the Fox Business one on the 14th in North Charleston, South Carolina, yes. Right. Was that a replacement for a canceled CNBC debate, or was that just a new one that they added in there? It was just a there? new one. There had been some talk, actually, Herman, about having a debate at uh, Jerry Falwell's uh, uh, school. Why is that escaping me right now? Liberty uh, University. Liberty University. Yeah. There had been talk about about the same time having a debate there, and for whatever reason, that did not happen. And so instead, they're going to do one down in South Carolina. And then again, let's see, there's a debate on the 28th in Des Moines, so that'll be the uh, Thursday before the De- the Iowa caucus. And then that Saturday after that, so that would be, uh, the, the we vote on Monday, the 1st of February in Iowa, and then Saturday the 6th, there will be a debate in New Hampshire. So think about that. You'll have three debates for the Republican candidates in the span of about four, uh, less than four weeks, January 14th, January 28th, and February the 6th. So that's three plus weeks, three debates so you can understand why some people might decide hey you know what i'll stick through new hampshire you never know what could happen in uh, in, in that kind of calendar and the Democrats have a debate coming up this Saturday, Saturday. night. Yeah, where, where, are they, right. where are they doing this? They're in Manchester, New Hampshire okay. uh, on Saturday. So uh, remember their last debate was also on a Saturday. November the 14th, I think, was the date. They did not get that many viewers for that one from uh, Iowa. This one is in New Hampshire. And then their next debate, I want to say, is on a Sunday night. I think it's the night before the King holiday. I think it's Sunday the 17th, and that's in South Carolina in January understand that the house is going to vote friday on an omnibus spending bill is that right looks like i have not had the chance to tackle the two giant bills uh, i took a quick look at it early this morning but uh, i guess that'll be my reading assignment on the plane home today looks like they're going to vote on this bill that deals with the tax extenders as they're called a series of uh, different tax breaks some that will be made permanent some that will be extended that vote will be on thursday and then the big omnibus spending bill which to my count weighed in at about 2200 pages in all, which is all 12 of the funding bills to fund the operations of the federal government for this fiscal year, that would be voted on on Friday morning, so at least in the House, so then lawmakers could conceivably get out of town uh, on Friday and head home for the Christmas break and then come back in January. So yeah, the schedule is the next two days to try to get those big bills done. All sorts of things uh, stuffed in there. It's not really, I wouldn't call it pork or anything like that, but all sorts of uh, extra legislation that uh, this sort of be 
became a year-end. I, I, I call it a Christmas tree, but it's not a pork-filled Christmas tree. It's more like all kinds of different things, a catch-all kind of year-end bill. And we'll have more details about it when I talk to you tomorrow. Very good. But when they leave Friday, they don't come back until after the new year. Exactly. That would be okay. their plan is to get done by Friday. You know, maybe the Senate might leak into the weekend or something like that. But, yeah, that would be the goal to get things done by the end of this week. And then they would be done and, and gone until after New Year's. It's going to be interesting to see how much movement, if any, some of the candidates make in the latest polls, particularly going into next week and stuff. But uh, as usual, like you said, yeah. Don't anticipate any major movement, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, hey, you never know. Uh, yep. You know how sometimes we see those trends developing, and we've had a, a whole bunch of polls so far this month. Now we get into maybe that dead zone around Christmas time, so we'll see, Herman. Thank you, Jamie. See you, buddy.